This is the Full Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Hart. On today's episode, I chat with Union High senior Isaiah Jones. We discuss today's current events, including the protests going on around the country in response to the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We talk about Isaiah's personal experiences as a black man in America and how sports can be an example of how uh, the community and country can move forward. So that's what's on tap for episode 34 of the Full Circle Podcast. All right. Uh, today I have Union High senior Isaiah Jones over Skype um, today. He's a Whitworth football running back commit, uh, soon to be Union High grad. In the fall, he ran for 900 yards and 11 touchdowns for Union football. How are you doing today, Isaiah? I'm doing well. Uh, just living through the day, living through these times right now, trying to trying to focus on the positives in life. So. Right. Yeah, I, I, I know I know um, it's tough for, for a lot of people uh, around the country right now. And so I appreciate you joining me today. But um, just first off, let's talk some football before before we get into some of the, the more current events of today. You're uh, you're going to Whitworth uh, this fall. You know, what what made you commit to Whitworth and and what's it exciting for you about joining that team? Yeah. So Whitworth, I went up on a visit um, at the end of February uh, this pa- this past winter in uh I got to meet all the coaches and Coach Sandberg, the head coach. And I just really loved, like, what they were preaching. They were saying about, like, you know, team, family, more than just more than just football, but, like, investing into me and in my education and my future life and, like, after football is over, how am I going to be in life? So I really loved what they were preaching. So I just decided to go because I feel like I can fit in there and do well there. Right. Has that been a dream for you a long time to be be able to play at the collegiate level? Um, actually I didn't even like sports until like eighth grade. I played, I played basketball in middle school, but I didn't really like football specifically until like eighth grade. So it kind of is more of a recent dream of me, dream of mine to play college football. And I can, uh, the fact that I accomplished that in a matter of like four years of playing football is amazing to me. So what made you turn out for football in the first place? Um, my friends, uh, I played like football on the street with my friends outside uh, when I was a little kid, but like my friends at school, they always wanted me to play because they felt like I'm, I was an athlete and they felt like I could play. So I just decided to come out and I started to get serious about it in sophomore year. So at what point did you realize like, well, this could be a chance to go play at the next level and be able to get an education while doing it? Um, going into junior year because <laughs> I had really started committing time and putting in a lot of time and putting in a lot of work to, just getting better at football, understanding football more. And, you know, just, I just fell in love with football. So I wanted to continue playing football after high school. Right now. Have you been able to train or stay in shape at all during this quarantine period? I know most gyms are closed. Are you doing anything to kind of keep in shape for the fall season? Yeah, I'm doing the college workouts that were sent out by uh, my coaches. So we do a lot of like conditioning, lifting, and then like home workouts, running and stuff. Mm-hmm. How has it been in this quarantine period when you're not necessarily able to go, you know, meet the meet everybody on the team and stuff? I know it sounds like you committed before kind of this all broke out, but you know, how tough has that been to to kind of have the even the fall season kind of in doubt right now just because of the COVID nineteen concerns? Yeah, we've been on. Uh, we had a Zoom call 
a couple of weeks ago with the team, and then we were talking more about um, what to expect this offseason, like as we're home alone and uh, in quarantine and can't meet up, uh, what to expect from the players, like us continuing to put in work towards the season because we're hopeful that the season will happen. But uh, we just had a Zoom call and we've stayed in contact. So Right. What are, what are you going to remember most about your time at, at Union High? Um, you know, that, that football team has had some, some pretty great successes in, in your time there. So what are you going to remember most about it? The family culture is the main thing because uh, I came in high school. I came from a school that didn't have a lot of people from my middle school going into that school. So a lot of my friends went to Heritage down the street. And, and I was like one of the only ones going to Union. So uh, I felt like I would be alone there. But then as soon as I joined the football team and then reached out to other people, everybody accepted me for who I was. And now I have like lifelong friends from that. So right. how tough has this you know, spring been with with just trying to figure out? I mean, this is your senior year. I'm sure there's a lot of things you guys would like to be doing. How tough has that been? And, and kind of what are the plans for the graduation and that type of stuff that that you guys are, are you know, kind of missing out on a little bit? Uh, I believe we're doing like an online graduation uh, Zoom call like in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm going to attend that. But like grad parties and stuff, we get to, we have to miss out on those. And we can just like, from my family, I think we're just going to have our own, uh, like small grad party or whatever, or have like a drive by graduation where people just drive by and wave and support the graduation. So, right. Right. Do, do you have a big family? Uh, yeah, my family's kind of all over the country. So, okay. Right on. And as far as just in, in Vancouver is, you know, how big is your household? Uh, we have like five people right now. Here. Okay. Right on. Right on. What what if, you know, you know, people see you play football and, and people might know the, the football stats from the newspaper or whatever. But if somebody asked, you know, who is Isaiah Jones, you know, how would you describe yourself to them? Um, I would describe myself to them as a humble person who works towards his goals because, uh, you know, like I was given I was God given the talent to play football. But before I played football, I was somebody who works towards what I really wanted and like academically, I work towards what I want and I graduate, I'm graduating with over 3.5 GPA. So I'm just someone who works hard toward, towards what I want and is passionate about what I care about. Um, moving into today's current events, um, you know, protests around the country have broken out in response to police brutality. Most recently, the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Yeah. How, how are you processing all of this, um, you know, witnessing all of this and and trying to kind of process it as a, as a young black man in America? Um, the, the sad fact is, it's not new. It's not something that is like just recent. It's been going on for so long that uh, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't like how it is, but it's kind of like normal now to see how police brutality is affecting the black, uh, the black community and like not much being, being done about it. So you you've had to you know you say it's been going on for a long time and you've had to grow up your entire life with with this type of stuff going on have you i guess how have you grown in response to that have you had to you know react differently around cops have you tried to act differently in public you hear these stories come out have you had personal experiences with that as well oh definitely it's like uh like personally i know that as a young black man i have to have to be perfect or have to be better than everybody else just to be seen as a regular black guy or else I would fall into the stereotype of one of those lazy, lazy black men or a thug like people would like to call uh, some black people. But 
it's just kind of like I had to grow into realizing that I'm going to have to be uh, on the top of my game all the time or else I'm going to fall into a stereotype. So. Right. For for people that might not understand, you know, people think of the Pacific Northwest as this kind of, you know, bastion of progressive ideals. But, you know, Clark County is still, you know, Clark County and Portland area is still very white. I think I read a story recently. I think the city council has only had one black man ever on the, the city council. So can you explain, you know, to, to people a little bit about, you know, what, why Clark County isn't different than, you know, or why Washington state isn't necessarily different from the rest of the country? Well, because Washington State is also a part of the country that that uh, was built on slavery, if we're going to be technical. <laughs> Washington State is part of the country that has police brutality going on in literally every state. And then, like, the police brutality of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, or Ahmaud Arbery, or, like, Philando Castile, those are just the main ones that are televised and, like, nationally known about. But there's been police brutalities that are just like under the radar, fly under the radar multitudes of times and people aren't really paying attention to all of those. So Washington is a part of the whole country and things happen in Washington just like they do in, uh, you know, Florida and Georgia and all that. Does this feel different, these protests? You know, do they feel different than Ferguson or other um, protests that have happened throughout your lifetime? Uh, this protest is definitely different because of the riots, because the riots... Uh, if I'm gonna explain, I want to explain the riots. The riots are, the riots are like a reaction of being fed up because for decades on decades on decades, people have been peacefully protesting, stop killing black people, stop police brutality, stop racism, and nothing's happened. Like in 2016, Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality, and people ridiculed him for doing that. But now that people are rioting, because if you can't peacefully protest, then what do you do? People are rioting now, so it's like. Uh, people are have a sense of hopelessness. Like, what are you supposed to do if you don't let them peacefully protest, and then you get mad at them for rioting? So, it's kind of right. it's just kind of a buildup of emotions. Right. When you see some of these these riots and stuff break out, you know, you're seeing videos a lot of these times of of police instigating this, whether it be a peaceful protest happening and a tear gas canister suddenly goes off or, you know, you see some of these videos of of white men smashing windows. What mm -hmm. What do you think of when you see that? Um, I see there's people who are reacting, rioting in as a reaction, as an emotional reaction to the actual death and murder of George Floyd. But then there's people who take people's emotions into their own advantage and then just go out and loot and riot just because they feel like since other people are doing it, they're just going to do it just for their own personal gain rather than out of frustration and emotion of peacefully, protest, peacefully protesting and nothing happening and nothing being done. So... Have you been, have you been able to take part in in the protests and or or do you plan to? Um, I would like to go out, but I don't think my mom would really let me go out and participate in that just because of like safety reasons and, and the coronavirus going around. So mm -hmm. right, how have you um, you know unable to to go out there? How have you been able to or or tried to be able to kind of voice you make your voice heard as well? Yeah, so uh, about an hour ago, I had a, a meeting with Paul Valencia about the same thing, and, and I'm doing this here right now, and then I'm on Twitter constantly talking about black issues and police brutality, so I'm trying to make sure my voice is actually heard and spread awareness of what's really going on in this country. Right. Why do you think it's important that that we hear we hear from, you know, 18-year-old men and, and, and be able to hear your side of the story as well? I think it's important because we're the ones, we're the ones who have to 
graduate and live in this country as adults. And then we have to walk through this country uh, knowing that, you know, the color of our skin can change uh, our whole lives, like the way that people look at us, the way that people are going to employ us, the way that people uh, would want us accepted into the community. That's going to affect our whole lives. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of high schools are graduating. High schoolers are graduating right now and, and kind of looking at the world as adults now and about to go into this world. Is it scary for you right now to enter a world that that looks like this right now with with so much so much kind of hatred that you see in some of these online comments? Um, I wouldn't say it's scary because I'm not, I'm not going to be scared away by someone who hates me because they just hate me just because they don't even know me. If they, uh, if they hate me by my skin color, they don't even know who I really am as a person. So it's not like I'm going to be scared of them. I'm just going to let them know who I really am and that my skin color does not matter. Um, but it's kind it kind of is a little scary because like, my skin color dictates a lot of things in my life. So, mm-hmm. right. You you had a rather poignant tweet tweet the other day that I thought was was really interesting. It's you said in in football nobody cares where you come from or what you look like. You're all on the same team and you become a family. How how do sports kind of cultivate this environment that you know everyone can come together regardless of of their skin tone or their their background or or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, with sports, I can say I can speak uh, my part. I was a part of the state championship team two years ago with a lot of di- a, a whole diverse team. We had Polynesian people, Hawaiian people, Black people, Hispanic people, White people, uh, interracial people. It was like a collection, a melting pot, which America is a melting pot of people, and we all came together fighting towards the same goal. We didn't care what you looked like, what you believed, what you supported. We just cared that we were fighting towards the same goal, which was success and winning a championship, and we accomplished that. And that could be applied directly to society as people are, everybody's different. Everybody believes something different and everybody looks different, but we're all working towards the same goal as success and winning in life and living the American dream, which people have been deprived of just because of who they are and their skin color. So, right. What can we learn from, from sports? You, you, are able to see a lot of times in sports being able to see, you know, heroes of today's societies, the LeBron James, you know, the Richard Sherman's be able to be faces and and vocal um, leaders. And in other parts of society, you don't see black men being able to be at the top of that and be that voice in sports. You are able to. So what can we learn from sports that we can apply to the rest of society? We can learn from sports that people, the people can use their platform as maybe a, like like you said, a sports player or maybe like a music creator or maybe like a clothes designer, they can use their big platform to voice their uh, voice, like amplify the voices of black people fighting for black lives and fighting against police brutality. Do you read social media comments or comments on some of these news stories um, at all or do you try to stay away from them? Um, I read some, but I try to stay away because it's just a lot of people who are either uneducated or just ignorant and don't want to learn or understand any further into the subject. So Mm -hmm. what, what does, what does comments like, uh, you know, a Vancouver school board member tweeting fire hoses, um, what does that mean for you? And, and, you know, what, why, why are, why are so many people appalled, appalled by that type of action? Obviously it led to his resignation, but what, you know, what do you feel when you see that? Um, it just shows who he really is as a person. That's, I can say that's racist because 
uh, it's a Black Lives Matter movement, and you see predominantly black people protesting right now. And you can look back in the 60s when they used fire hoses on people protesting black lives and police brutality. So it's like he said that uh, referring to the 60s almost. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I've been following these these protests and I, I, I'm reading a lot of these tweets and I'm learning a lot about history that I wasn't taught in school at all. Mm-hmm. How do you think we need to change education so people learn about how these these protests have have been going on in our country forever, really? Yeah. So, uh, first of all, the history books they show they really show like one side of history. They show like the predominantly white side of history of what what like all white people did throughout the history of America. But <laughs> in reality, it's like. <clears throat> People were enslaved for 400 years. Black people were enslaved for 400 years and made to build this whole country. And then Native Americans were enslaved for uh, hundreds of years also building this country. So it's kind of like you have to show more than just slavery of the, you know, the minority. And you have to show what minorities have actually done building this country. Like, uh, like you know, how black people uh, created, you know, like black culture. uh when black people create like music, when black people play sports, when black athletes speak out on uh, social issues, you know, like um, black people have been creating a lot of things that people indulge into like black culture and people just still hate on black people, so. Right, right. There was a question going around on Twitter recently that said, you know, what, what, what age were you when you had your first black teacher? Do you remember your first black teacher and what age were you? Um, I've never, I don't, I've never had a black teacher actually. Wow. I mean, at like my church, I've had black teachers, but right. other than that, I've never had a black teacher. So wow, why is it important that we have more black teachers in schools? Um, I think it, I think it's important because we we need more a more diverse uh, leadership because we can't just have like a leadership full of all same same race people and who come from the same kind of background. Like we need more diverse people who bring different backgrounds, different uh, different views on opinions and stuff. So, mm-hmm. all right. This this next question is one from my colleague Meg um, that wanted me to ask. You know, college coaches are using their platforms on on Twitter or whatever to you know voice their you know you see even Greg Popovich, so NBA coaches, but you see a lot of college coaches voicing their you know they'll put out a statement. Do you know athletes of of color need or want to see that, or or what what can you know those coaches do to kind of support support the movement? Um, yeah, I think the coaches really like the coaches, uh, especially D one. A lot of coaches recruit predominantly black athletes, and you see a predominantly uh, black teams amount among you know D1 sports, and it's like if these coaches can recruit these players to play for them and help them gain millions of dollars on national television, they can also support these players in their regular lives as black men. So, I need mm-hmm. you need to see them, you know, supporting their players like they say they would, rather than just making money off the players and then oh, I guess it's like they're on their own or something. Right. So. Is a statement enough or, or do you like to see more action or what, you know, if, if your college coach, you know, were to issue a statement, would you want to see more action? How, it, you know, what would you like to see? Um, I'd like to see them actually supporting, you know, like maybe even going to a peaceful protest. Like you can go and support black lives actively rather than just 
putting out a statement because a lot of people have been putting out statements just because they felt pressured to by other people since others are putting out statements. So I need them to, you know, act on their words rather than just say the words because words are nothing without action. So. Right. Right. You know, we've talked about you being vocal on, on Twitter and, and doing these type of interviews. Why is it, why do you feel it's important for you to, to speak out? I feel it's important for me to speak out because I am a black man in America and I can, I can easily run into the same issues like in the Trayvon Martin case. He was a 17-year-old young black man who was killed by some random guy. I'm a 17-year-old black man who could be walking down the street and end up in the same situation. Or like my little brother, 12-year-old black little boy, can end up in the same situation as Tamir Rice, who was killed by police officers for playing at the park. So I feel like right. I need to speak out because it can affect me personally, and it does affect me personally. Have you received any backlash from any of your tweets online? Um, I haven't received any backlash. I think most of the the majority of the people that really see my tweets, I think they really uh, kind of support what I'm supporting. But I don't I haven't seen any backlash. Yet. Right. It, do you feel like today's, you know, young people are are set to change this? You know, do, do you feel it's a more inclusive environment from young people or do you feel like there's a lot of the same race issues in, you know, among, you know, 15 to 18 year olds, the high school age kids that there are, you know, among the adults of today, too, as well. Yeah. So as kids, uh, what you learn as a kid is going to affect what, how you are as an adult. So as high schoolers are like if high schoolers are against the Black Lives Matter movement because they don't want to understand why the Black Lives Matter movement is happening or if they're like trying to justify police brutality, they're going to grow up into adults who do the same thing. And then so it's kind of comes down to the point where you need parents to be held accountable to teach their kids the right way and raise them right and teachers like you said uh more more diverse teachers to teach their students the right way and teach them you know respect and dignity so right have you seen other young people in in the area that have been against this or or are you know siding with the the police in this situation or have they remained relatively silent um, I don't, I don't know if people are really against, against, uh, against the uh, police brutality movement. I think they're more of just trying to stay silent and not choose a side because they don't want to get ridiculed for whatever side they choose. But I don't think silence is ever going to change anything because if you're silent, then you're not really helping out the movement and you're not really, you know, contributing to society and helping people who are going against police brutality. So, All right. Where do you hope this country is in, you know, in a year after 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 these, you know, protests or from stemming from these protests? What do you hope happens? Where do you hope the country is at in a year, you know, on the way to hopefully amending some of these these wrongs? Um, I hope the country is at the point where they can hold the police who kill uh, black people unreasonably accountable, where they can you know, go into the uh, the police institutions and arrest the people who actually commit murder for no reason and sentence them to jail because, like, you can't have a peaceful society if the police are the ones who are supposed to serve and protect and they're killing people unreasonably. So I'd like to see the country in a different place rather than letting the police go with a slap on the wrist and just letting them walk free. All right. What do you hope listeners take away from this conversation today, this podcast? I hope they take away that police brutality and racism is real. And I hope they take away that they need to 
you need to actually actively support Black Lives Matter movement because this is not just a black issue. This is an American issue because black people are American people and all our all, obviously all our lives matter. But black lives right now are the ones being, you know, targeted and uh, witnessing police brutality. So um, I'll open the floor to you. Is there anything else you want to say or comment on that I didn't ask or steer the conversation toward? Um, yeah, I just say I just tell people to go watch on Netflix, watch the documentary, the 13th or watch just mercy on Amazon It's free right now, just to get more better and understanding and education of America and how black people are treated in America and how America uh, really works. So I advise them to educate their own selves before they go into a argument against somebody and then try to educate them on something that they don't know about. So Right. Well, I, I will go do that today. And I, I really appreciate you joining me today, Isaiah. And um, yep. best of luck to you in, in your college, on your uh, college football days. And um, we look forward to seeing what you can accomplish out there. Yep. Thank you for having me today. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. That is a wrap on episode 34 of the Full Circle Podcast. Again, a huge thanks to Isaiah for joining me to discuss the issues that plague our country today. I know these conversations are not always easy um, to have or to listen to, but I think they're important ones to have, especially with some of our young men in our community um, who are who have experienced this and gone through this and can understand and, and hopefully educate us better on um, what they're going through and what they have gone through. So um, appreciate everybody who has listened to this podcast. You can find all of our content as usual at Colombian.com slash sports. Uh, we are also all on Twitter and social media at 360 preps. In football, nobody cares where you came from or what you look like. You're all on the same team and you become a family. In everyday life, where that unity is needed most, why doesn't that happen? Isaiah Jones